With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I've been inside, inside my mind. Can't ever escape. Yeah. Need to rewind sometimes my mind. Go back to that place. I've been stuck up in my head. Been stuck up in this bed for days. Haven't felt a thing. Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, joined in the Soul Shack this afternoon. On my left, Bobby Reynolds. Bobby, how are you this beautiful Tuesday afternoon in Bowling Green, Kentucky? I'm doing good, Josh. How are you? Pretty good. You know, this has been a bit of a wild week for yours truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, started a new job last mm-hmm. week. Um, funny how these things work out. You know, been doing this show almost four years now. <laughs> Which is wild. Yeah, uh, been podcasting since about 2008, so 15 years. I've uh, been doing this podcasting thing, and I actually landed a new gig as a lead producer, Let's helping go. people make podcasts. So awesome. it's a dream gig. It's just funny how something that starts out as like a pastime or a hobby mm-hmm. can eventually, you know, turn into your career. Like just wait until disc golf sure. becomes your full time profession. Hey, after the round I had yesterday, that ain't gonna happen anytime soon. But no, from our our humble beginnings over in the corner, that's right, huddled around the uh, single foot heater. That's right. Good times. Doing the XFFL podcast mm-hmm. multiple times mm-hmm. in the kitchen because I forgot to hit record. Yep. We've come a long way. For all the Swedish fans that were listening yes. to our uh, our league podcast. An absurdly high <laughs> number of Swedish listeners. It was strange. Yeah, of the 40 or 50 people who were listening to a podcast made mm-hmm. for 12 people, yep. at least probably seven or eight of them were Swedish. They're probably still uh, They're probably still hanging on. They probably haven't sure. unsubscribed yet. Yeah. They're, they're holding out hope for another episode to drop. The new uni? That's right. Yes. I'll give you guys this camera here. Yeah. This was the Father's Day gift from my dad, which is, like, I think it works the other way. I mm. think I'm supposed to give you a gift, but thank you. Uh, That's I said, a good dad. That's a good dad. It's a very good dad. And I, I said on the pod before, after the whole Andrew Luck retirement fiasco, I just swore off getting jerseys. I got rid of all my jerseys. Mm-hmm. I just said, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get me a jersey, I'm not going to argue against it, especially a player as exciting as Anthony Richardson. So, that's, yeah. a, that's a good one, man. I have been kind of doing the same thing over the last six months or so. I've kind of been on the jersey search a little bit because I've got the girly. I've got the Donald. Um might have to get you an Ernest. Yeah, I don't know. Ernest I, would be sick. He's getting to that point. I've kind of wanted an Isaiah Simmons one, but how much longer I was gonna say, is that's it going to be relevant? That's a one-year rental. Yeah, I like the single number that he had last year, so that was cool. But, uh, yeah, I was looking actually today on Twitter, but I think the Rams go to training camp on Saturday maybe is their first day. So I didn't realize it was, like, right here. Like, we're there. Training almost. camp's usually at the end of July, I'm pretty sure. That's right. Gosh, I'm thinking I'm a, I'm a month I'm a month ahead right now. So maybe usually it's, like, the like the very last week in July, beginning Gosh, of August. Gosh, I was getting excited. I was getting I know. Hyped. You were getting, I was like, oh, my God, what month is it? You're like, ba- this baby's got to hurry up. I was going to say, I got a kid due <laughs> here in a couple weeks. I got a new job. I, I, the concept of time is not one I'm really locked in on right now. Man, it's going to be a long month then. 
No, no, uh, just continued Twitter nonsense about players' values and whatever. Uh, it's going to be a rough month. But not a rough month mm-hmm. in the podcast feed, Baba. We've got a great episode for you all today. We are going to be looking at the 2023 outlook for second-year IDPs. A lot of times in the dynasty community, we get obsessed with rookies to the point where we begin to overlook some of these guys that we were excited about as rookies just last year. So the underdog football show had an episode like this that was looking at second year running backs and wide receivers. Shout out Josh and Hayden doing amazing work on that show. But that inspired me to think about, well, We know the dynasty outlook for these guys. In fact, we're going to talk about a lot of them on the top 24 or 48 uh, dynasty edges, linebacker safeties episodes that we're going to do later this offseason. But what about redraft? What about the season that we have coming up? How do we like these guys? We know we like most of them a lot for dynasty because the time horizon for judging success or failure is much longer. We have more leeway there. But for 2023, that's what we want to look at today. Some of the highly drafted, highly touted edge rushers, linebackers, and safeties. What do we like? Who do we like for 2023, Bobo? Should be a fun conversation. I agree. It's almost, I could argue it might be a little bit more important than the rookie content this year because the rookies in IDP, not necessarily that they're disappointing, but I just think that they're going to underwhelm to some extent coming into the 2023 season speaking in terms of the 2023 rookies it's a it's a little bit of a weird uh, weird class but now we're going to talk about a bunch of like really really good edges some really good linebackers um it's gonna be a fun show yeah let's jump right into it and let's start at the edge position so what we're going to do for each player is we're going to look at adam's dynasty rank their adp and then i've got where i have them ranked in our redraft ranking so a lot of the uh Players that we're going to mention, the market is pretty dialed in on these guys, Bobo. And as a reminder, you can check out this ADP. It's part of the IDP Show Draft Kit over at theidpshow.com. Five bucks a month. We're getting ready to do our June update. So a lot of the rankings will be updated and uh, all the blurbs, making sure we keep those updated. So uh, if you want to pop in there, now's the time to do it. We got IDP Madness going on as well, Bobo. A uh, 12-league 144, uh, you know, team Mm -hmm. super league, essentially like Mm -hmm. a contest, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're giving out 500 bucks to the winning team. So if you want to play some best ball, come jump into IDP madness. You've got a league. Mm -hmm. I've got a league. Adam's got a league. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're, uh, about 50 best balls deep at this point. Yep. Um, halfway on our march to 100. Yeah, the um, madness will get us to 55 total uh, best ball leagues. So that's awesome. we are on the march to 100. But if you want the ADP, it's an invaluable resource for doing these drafts. Mm-hmm. And I was very surprised how locked in the market is on some of these guys. So let's kick things off right at the top with the edge position. One of the most highly drafted Highly ranked edge rushers from the 2022 class was Aiden Hutchinson of the Detroit Lions. Addy has him as his edge seven. The ADP, he's the edge seven, Mm -hmm. and I've got him as my edge 10. His 2022 stats, he played 84% of snaps, 17 games played, 12.1 points per game. uh, He was really good in coverage, weirdly enough. That's his (laughs) best PFF grade, but overall 80.7. So, Bobo... I'll start us off here on Mr. Hutchinson. 
fun conversation to name drop another pod, the Athletic Football Show. They were asking if the Lions had a pass rusher who was capable of getting hot for the playoffs and generating at least 20-plus pressures en route to a Super Bowl appearance. Mm -hmm. Very fun episode. They were looking at what's the formula, what's the cocktail for a successful Super Bowl run? Whether you win it or not, what do you need in place? And a one hot pass rusher that could generate at least 20 pressures on the way to a Super Bowl was one of the ingredients. And they said, Robert May said this, and I agree, the Lions believe Aiden Hutchinson, at least by the end of 2023, can be that player. One thing that I really looked at here, Bobo, was the end-of-season finish. No surprise. You can find this information in Adam's Dynasty Ranks. He has all of the game logs and the splits. Beginning of the season, weeks 1 through 9, and then 10 through 18, he looks at uh, the points per game during those two spans. So you can see, did this player finish the season strong? Did they taper off a little bit? Aiden Hutchinson finished the year strong. He went from 10.3 points per game to 13.6 with 11 points per game in the fantasy playoffs. Now, we talk about it all the time, Bobo. Pass rushers can take about three to four years to finally develop and finally hit. But Hutchinson, he was a hit in his rookie season. He is way ahead of schedule. I expect him to enter superstar territory in 2023. What say you about the Lions at Drusher? I couldn't agree more. I mean, we saw everything that we wanted from Aiden Hutchinson, you know, exactly like you're saying, Josh, you know, rookie season, you see nine and a half sacks um, in a position that, like you're saying, takes some time to develop. It takes some of these pass rushers um, some time to kind of figure out um, figure out the scheme, figure out, you know, how to how to play on a defensive line in the NFL versus college. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is everything that we want. He's a young guy. It's not like we're looking at a 24-, 25-year-old edge rusher. He's 22.8 years old, um, nine and a half sacks. All the PFF numbers are great. Um, man, is this, is this a guy that, you know, we've talked about in these best balls. We've talked about your top five off the board, your – Max Crosby's, your TJ Watt, your Nick Bosa, your Miles Garrett, your Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Um, should Aiden be considered in that conversation? Yes, he should. And I will say that he is right now going right outside that. So you see the top five in order right now by ADP Parsons, Bosa, Watt, Crosby, Roquan, wow. and then Miles Garrett. But in terms of the edge rushers, those are the top five guys, and the only ones who go in front of him, Hassan Reddick, is just Hassan Reddick, and he has Brian Burns right behind him at uh, edge eight. Mm -hmm. So I think the market is spot on. Mm -hmm. um, I have him ranked a little bit lower, but, I mean, yeah. you look at who's going around him, and I'm like, give me Aiden Hutchinson. I've taken him quite a few times at that um, one-two turn. That's typically where you see him and Kayvon Thibodeau, the next guy on our list, are at that one-two turn. Now, Dynasty, you're on the clock, and the big five are gone, and you're looking at Aiden, Jalen Phillips. Who are you taking there? I'm going Aiden. Are you really? Yeah, see, it's I was very just, close. I was looking at Adam's ranks, and Adam has Jalen uh, a spot above Aiden, um, you know, which is kind of – that's splitting hairs to some extent. Yeah. Um, but Aiden, man, he is just an up-and-coming team. You, I'm buying into the whole Dan Campbell narrative. That defense is probably going to be better this year. Maybe he has a little bit more help on the defensive line. Um, Will's up for Aiden Hutchinson. I, I I would love to have him in Dynasty. I don't really have him in a whole lot of spots. Um, 
for some reason. Um, but I could be watching the next big superstar here. That's right. Could be the next Nick Bosa. Exactly. You know? um, so a highly drafted guy. That's everything we ever could have wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. So He's I, what we expected Chase Young to be. Exactly. You know? And what uh, Miles Garrett turned into, what mm-hmm. Nick Bosa turned into, Aiden Hutchinson is all of that and more. So outlook for 2023 is, uh, yes, wheels all the way up for Aiden Hutchinson. But another player that I have ranked a little bit lower than Aiden Hutchinson, um, one spot lower, it's not like yeah. it's a lot lower, is Kayvon Thibodeau. He is Adam's Dynasty Edge 8. He is by ADP, the Edge 9, 22 and a half years old. He played 14 games last season, 11.5 points per game, and uh, 79% of snaps green across the board by PFF 72.5. As I mentioned, he is my edge 11. So I've got him and Aiden ranked just a little bit later than what they're going by ADP. Uh, But I've got them back-to-back for a reason, which is I'm optimistic about both of them, including Kayvon Thibodeau, and the public is too, going as edge nine, two spots after Aiden Hutchinson. Now, I think part of the reason why you're seeing Kayvon go just a little bit later is that he started the season with a whimper. He was averaging just 7.7 points per game through week nine. He had two missed games plus his bye week in there, so you didn't have him for three of those nine weeks. But, but he turned it around 14.3 points per game in the back half of the season, including 26.6 points per game average during your fantasy playoff. Bobo, he had a 40 burger in there. Good gosh. Do you remember a 40 burger from Kayvon Thibodeau in the fantasy playoffs? I sure don't. So after the entire Eagles defensive line profited in 2022, I am seeing the same outlook for the Giants' D-line in 2023. Kayvon had just four sacks last season. I think he doubles that in 2023 and flirts with double-digit sacks all in on Kayvon Thibodeau as well. I couldn't agree more. I um, I love what Kayvon brings to the table, especially at his ADP. You know, the other thing we have to take into consideration also, um, Wink Martindale, I think this is his second or third year there with that defensive uh, uh, scheme there in New York. Um, but more importantly, Aziz Ojolari is going to be there with him as well. Aziz missed a majority of um, the first half of last season. But then to finish the season, Aziz had a, several games in a row with a sack. Um, you saw Kayvon kind of slowly start to put it together. You've got Leonard Williams still there. Um, Dexter Lawrence Dexter is there. It's also another good pass Just rusher. Just a filthy defensive line. We've talked about this with your boy Bobby O. Um, also, I'm going to write an article where I'll probably talk a little bit about Darian Beavers. Um, Micah McFadden might be a guy to pay attention to because you're going to have a really, really good defensive line led by Kayvon and Aziz. Um, and then you're going to have some good linebackers to play behind them. So, yeah, Kayvon's a guy that I feel like in dynasty communities, he's he's probably attainable, you know? Same with Aziz. Like, they haven't necessarily hit yet. You know, Aiden is going to be an astronomical figure if you're trying to attain him at this point. But Kayvon, you could maybe, he could be had for a second. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's possible. Yeah. And so, these first two guys, we're going to talk about them a lot more when we do the Top 24 Edge video. Yeah. But... This is an example where the dynasty outlook and the redraft outlook actually overlap quite a bit. I think the excitement for these guys in dynasty uh, is warranted if you want to have that same excitement for redraft Mm -hmm. because I think these guys are being taken highly 
and I expect them to produce because that's what we saw them do, especially in the back half of last season. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the next guy, Bobo. And I want to cue you up first here on this one because I know this is a guy you're quite fond of. And we're going to start to see a little bit of the disconnect between Dynasty and Redraft here. It's Trayvon Walker, Jacksonville Jaguars, former number one overall pick. Uh, He is Adams Edge 16 for Dynasty. He is going as the Edge 30 right now by ADP. 77% of snaps, 15 games played, 14 started, just 8.2 points per game. Some yellow and orange across the board, 58 overall defensive grade, Mm -hmm. uh, but 73.5 in coverage. So, Bobo, I will start it with you this time around. Outlook for Trayvon Walker, not for Dynasty, Mm -hmm. but for 2023. How are you feeling? I like Trayvon Walker. Um, You got to remember, he was the 101 in the NFL draft in 2022. You know, Uh, the Jaguars really thought pretty highly of Trayvon. They, They expected him to come in. Uh, to play alongside Josh Allen and kind of a struggling defensive line outside of that um, and produce for them. They probably expected him to have a little bit better than a 3.5 sack season in 2022. But I do feel like Trayvon Walker, much like Kayvon, is attainable right now. People might be a little bit stung by the slow start to Trayvon's uh, career, uh, which was 2022. Um, But I feel like Trayvon Walker in 2023 could be more in the six to eight sack category uh, time frame, uh, time frame, uh, six to eight sack um, statistical category in 2023. Um, It's going to be interesting to see. I know we've talked in recent episodes about Devin Lloyd and how they intend to use him. Is he going to be an off-ball linebacker? Is he going to be playing beside Foyer? Will they let him rush the passer? Um, kind of like a Hassan Reddick. I know there's been a little bit of chatter about that in ja- uh, the Jaguars um, uh, organization here in the offseason. Maybe that's just offseason hype and we're all kind of bored. But Trayvon is a guy that I feel like um, you're only going to see a better season from, for, from him in 2023. Yeah, I think he is going to improve upon that last season. Um, like we mentioned, he uh, had the... points per game. But I think what you're talking about with that disappointment probably stemmed from the fact that he popped off for 26.2 points in week one and then went 4.5, 5.5, 8.25, 5.25 the four weeks after that. So I think there is a little bit of sting that managers are feeling, especially if they got starry-eyed after that week one performance. If you have listened to uh, the episode of the after show that I did with Trip last week, we actually had a listener question asking us to rank four defensive linemen. Um, and it was Trayvon Walker and George Karloftis were the two in that lower tier mm-hmm. uh, because we had a, an, a higher tier with Josh Allen and Jeffrey Simmons that Trip and I both felt good. Those were the two best options there. Yeah. But then debated Walker versus Karloftis. Um, so we'll talk about Karloftis here in a second, but Trayvon, yeah, he was exactly who we thought he would be mm-hmm. last season. He was a freaky athlete mm-hmm. who needed development. He is the exact archetype of that player. When we talk about three to four year development window, I'm thinking specifically of Trayvon Walker. So I've got him as a back end edge three. I've got him as my edge 33 right now. That's great. Uh, I think he'll be in the mix to start for you, but I'm not really comfortable if he's my edge one or two. Yep. I want two other guys ahead of him. 
Part of my hesitation is he did seem to hit a rookie wall last year. He averaged just 6.8 points per game after week 10, uh, after starting the season 9.1 points per game. So he is one of the very few rookies we're going to talk about today that actually got worse as the season went along. Yeah. And exactly like you're saying, he was a project type. He was just a freak athlete. Um, you know, not all of these guys are just um, crazy pass rushers in college. A lot of them are just guys that we like their their metrics. We like their RAS. We like their size. We like their ability. We like the way that they play. We like the upside that they could potentially give our team. Um, and Trayvon Walker fits the bill. For what... He was drafted to be for the Jaguars in 2022. I'm really not that disappointed. It really wasn't that bummer of a season. For where he was drafted in the NFL, you're probably a little they, bit bummed. They weren't drafting him for 2022. Exactly, exactly. They were drafting him for what the future could look like. Correct. And I think the future is bright. Like I don't want to get too down no. on Trayvon Walker because I think if you had realistic expectations for this guy's for this guy, he's right on track. Mm -hmm. So 2023, I'm not calling for or expecting a top 24 finish. I think if he finishes somewhere in that 25 to 36 range mm -hmm. at the edge at the edge position, I would be very happy with that for IDP. Now let me ask you this: Are you worried about Trayvon Walker being the one for the Jaguars going into 2024? Because there's a real possibility that. The Jaguars don't keep Josh Allen. Josh Allen has just been mediocre over the first four or five years of his career there in ja uh, Jacksonville. So if Trayvon Walker is your DL1 for the Jags, are you a little bit more concerned if he has rookie help that year and he is kind of the the one guy that offensive uh, linemen can double team, can pay attention to, can kind of scheme to chip block? Are you worried in in, uh, in another year? I know this is a little bit far out, but can he be a team's one? Yes, he can. And I think he was drafted to be a team's one. If you go number one overall in the draft, yeah. that team's belief is that you can be the premier edge rusher for that team. Mm -hmm. And it could have been a succession plan. They could have seen Josh Allen's contract coming down the pipe here, UFA 2024. Yep. And thought, paid. Yeah, thought, um, let's give ourselves some insurance in case we don't want to re-up with Josh Allen. And that might be another reason as to why they maybe think about bringing Devin Lloyd off the edge. Could be. They did draft the guy, Ventrell Miller. I think they moved up for him in the third. Um, still have Chad Muma, whatever you think about him. And still then, have uh, Foyer. Foyer He's there for well. a while. You know, it's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches from a linebacking perspective, but... Um, Man, Josh Allen and Trayvon are both going to have to play pretty well this year, not only for Josh Allen to get another contract, but also for Trayvon to live up to uh, the uh, you know the hype that he was drafted for. And for the Jags to make a playoff run, exactly. which I know is something they want to do. So let's talk about the next guy. We already mentioned him. It is Furious George Karloftis. So Furious George is 22.2 years old. He played 64% of snaps. Uh, 730 snaps in 2022, 17 games played, 8.7 points per game, graded poorly across the board for the most part, 50.2 uh, overall PFF grade, very poor tackler apparently, 26.5, uh, pass rush 58.1. So I guess in the important metrics, he was decent. He was okay for year one. I actually have him as my edge 26. Mm -hmm. So I should mention, yeah, he is uh, Adam's edge 21 for Dynasty. Uh, the ADP has him as edge 41, and I've got him as edge 26. So he is one of the guys that I am looking at in these best ball drafts because I think he's going to outperform what the market expects of him. Uh, he started the season quiet, came on strong to finish things out. He was 5.2 points per game through week nine, then 11.8 
points per game from week 10 onward. If you had him in the fantasy playoffs, you were happy with his 12.3 points per game. Now, he did all this despite seeing a dip from 72% of snaps to start the season down to 55% of snaps to finish things out as veterans like Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark saw more snaps. Now, I would be worried uh, about Karloftis losing playing time if those vets were still on the team. But, Babo, they're not. Yep. This yep. is going to be the Furious George and Charles Aminahue show with the rookie Felix and Adike Uzama as the backup. So let's get Furious, baby. I am very excited about what 2023 holds for George Karloftis. Absolutely. Six sacks on on kind of limited playing time. Yep. What's there not to like, especially if, uh, you know, the PFF grades are pretty bad. You go through and look at his whole season, week to week. There's a lot of red. There's a lot of orange. There's a lot of, you know, not great numbers. Not great colors. But is George Karloft is going to be uh, more productive from an opportunity perspective, more so than his physical ability? His RAS is decent. You look in Adam's dynasty ranks, I think Karloftis has a RAS of 9.24. He ran a 4.8340, uh, had a 10-foot broad jump. So he is he's moderately athletic. I don't think that he is you know one of these freak athletes that we see. Um, 9.24 is pretty good. It's decent. It's not, not it's not a 10. No, it's not a 10. It's not a it's not a seven either. It's kind of it's kind of middle of the road. But I think what, exactly what you're saying, Josh. You're playing on a good defensive team. You're probably going to be you're probably not even probably you're absolutely going to be playing um, for the Chiefs that are going to be leading a lot of these games. You know, you've got a lot of these offensive teams that are playing against the Chiefs and are going to be throwing the ball, trying to catch up to Mahomes and company as they continue to just put points on the scoreboard, which is going to give people like George Karloftis the opportunity to pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. Just like you said, no Carlos Dunlap, no um, Frank Clark anymore. Both of those guys are gone. Um, man, it's wills up for George Karloftis. Yeah, it's opportunity. Yeah, it's opportunity. I would expect. I to, hate, I'm not going to be as posit- positive about everybody this whole episode. I'm going to find somebody to be down on. But all the guys that we've talked about so far, I'm, I'm, you know, the arrow's pointing up for them. And I just wanted to do a little bit of research to see, like, okay, 9.2 RAS. That is the same as like Nolan Smith. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson, uh, Ed Oliver was um, actually Ed Oliver was way God bless. I thought uh, his points per game was what was pulling up, but his RAS was nine point eight nine. That's filthy. Go on, Ed Oliver, be athletic as hell. But also, while you're talking about Nolan Smith, I've heard he looks pretty fantastic in camp. I'm not surprised. He strikes me as the yeah. type of player who's going to make the most of his early opportunities. So, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, just to give you all a couple comps, Jermaine Johnson, Nolan Smith, kind of athleticism. For There's Karloftis. a good one. Nolan Smith or uh, George Karloftis in Dynasty. Uh, Karloftis. Okay. I'm 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 in on Karloftis. I think this is you are. This is the type of player that. Um, the Chiefs felt comfortable letting Frank Clark walk. They mm-hmm. haven't re-signed Carlos Dunlap. I mean, they only brought in Charles Aminihue, so it's kind of signaling to me like we're comfortable with we're a super we are the defending Super Bowl champs, not even a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. We have the skins on the wall with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. And on our defense, we feel really good with this second year guy. So Dynasty Outlook, great. Yep. 2023, I think the market is sleeping a little bit on Furious George. Could be right. Chris Jones so, still there. Good linebacking core behind that's him. That's right. Going to be a good team. You know, they probably, I was looking today at the, uh, I don't know, there's a tweet going around right now about the uh, the team that you could create out of the free agents that are still available. Y'all are insane if you're thinking that team's getting five wins. That's a terrible team. But um, 
there's not a lot of good pass rushers still out there, in my opinion. Carlos Dunlap is not good. Frank Unique Clark and Gakwe is, is still out there. Unique is fine. Same with Clowney. Clowney's just a yep. big name at this point. There's not a lot of people that are going to come in and going to affect a 64% snap share from Karloftis in 2022. I really think that that's going to go up to... 75% snap share? North of 75% is yep. what I would expect. I would set that as the over-under. I like that. But this next guy, very interesting case of what we should expect because not as much of a sample size as George Karloftis because, well, he was hurt recovering from an Achilles injury. It's David Ojabo, uh, Baltimore Ravens edge rusher, second-round pick out of the University of Michigan. Uh, he is Adams Edge 39, going as the Edge 41 right now by ADP. Now, he was basically more, uh, he was the Nakobe Dean, yeah. essentially, of Edge Rushers in 2022. He was more of a um, thought experiment than actual proof point on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played 21 snaps across two games, uh, graded very well in that very small sample size. But you basically have to throw the rookie season out the window, Bobo. Only two games played. But the key here, like we mentioned with Karloftis, it's opportunity. Uh, Ajabo's only competition is Odafe Owe and Tyus Bowser. Yeah. So I'm optimistic about David Ajabo, but I will say not enough to reach for him in redraft. Edge 41 is That's- pretty rich for a guy that is got 21 snaps under his belt. Yep. I would much rather take Tyus Bowser at edge 78 than take... David Ajabo at edge 41. Where's Owe at? If you can pull that up. I yeah. believe he is 53. Okay. I agree with you about Ojabo. He's um he's an interesting case study. He's not necessarily somebody that I'm banking on. Ojabo is the type right now that in trades, if you can do other more pivotal, you know, you got a trade where you, it's just not quite the value that you're wanting, whether it's a running back or a wide receiver throw or him even in as IDP. A sweetener. Throw in Ojabo. Yeah. Let me just hold on to him and just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Owe, I, I uh, was thinking of a different player. He is edge 47. Wow. So he's going a little bit after Ojabo. Man. Uh, and but, even though Owe has been disappointing, uh, I'd still rather take Bowser because you get the discount. Yeah. And we've seen flashes from Bowser. I'm off OA entirely, so if I want to swim in that kind of range, mm-hmm. I'll take Ojabo, but this is ambiguous enough and unproven enough that yeah. I'm not really interested in these guys outside of Bowser. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Ojabo, OA played a ton of special teams down the uh, down the road at the end of 2022. That's a rough look for a first-round pick. It sure is, man. And, um, you know, Ojabo, where did he play? I think it was Michigan, so a bunch of Big Ten yep. Big Ten ball. The Achilles is a little it's not concerning. It's a it's interesting to pay attention to just because that's kind of been the that's kind of been that one injury that is just so hard to come back Achilles from. Achilles is scary. Um Carl Lawson kind of came back from it. I guess we're seeing Cam Akers come back from it. I am not banking on David Ojabo replicating that one game of PFF numbers. Uh, throughout the 2023 season, and I think he's being drafted like he is going to right now. Yeah, little too, little too rich for me. I'm not going to be in on David Ajabo at those prices, but I do think if you can get a ridiculous discount or get him thrown in as a sweetener on a trade, if yeah. maybe the manager isn't as high on him, that is where I'm interested. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not paying the price for that. I don't even want OA. I don't even want to yeah. hold on to OA at this point. I, I think he's a roster clogger. Yep, I, I'm not interested. 
Um, Save that spot for one of these guys in early in waivers who's going to pop off week yep. one, two, three, four. Early on, there's going to be somebody defensive end um, that pops off, and you're going to want to be you know high up on the waivers to get them. Don't don't let a guy like Adafi Owe keep you from doing that. So let's move to linebacker. Now we just had the top oh, Owe's going to go crazy. Yeah, this he'll year. be the number one sacks. number one edge, <laughs> of course. Um, but we just had the top 48 linebacker episodes, and thank you all for checking those out. Those are probably going to end up as our yeah. first and second most listened to episodes of all time at yeah. this point. So thank you all so much. We know you are linebacker thirsty. Mm-hmm. So that's why we put those episodes out into the top 48. But we're t- going to kind of zoom through these guys here because we gave a lot of our thoughts for Dynasty and a lot of for Redraft as well on those two episodes. But wanted to mention them here as well as second-year players. We're kicking things off at linebacker with Quay Walker, Adams Dynasty LB8, going as the LB6. <laughs> And that's what we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh, He played 82% of snaps across 17 games, 12.3 points per game, uh, 121 total tackles. He had five TFLs, one and a half sacks. Um, I have him as my LB21. People love them, some Quay Walker Babo. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to that episode I referenced, it's easy to understand why. As Adam pointed out, Quay checks all the boxes of a guy who could average 16-plus points per game in a season. But, man... That price is too steep. Oh, yeah. I've got him as a back-end LB2, which is probably, I would say, too low. But LB6 is way too high, especially when you have Devondre Campbell, the more proven asset, going as LB29. Wow. So I'd much rather ta- uh, take Devondre Campbell and have been taking Devondre Campbell. Mm-hmm. I think if you can snag Quay in that LB2 range, you'll be happy. But, man, if you're taking him in the top six at his position... Not so much. Yep. I think there's two big windows to pay attention to for Quay and for Devondre. Devondre Campbell's dynasty window is rapidly closing. Quay Walker's dynasty buy window is rapidly closing also. Uh, Going into 2024, Adam said it last episode, but the Packers probably move on from Campbell after 2023. And then you're going to see... Uh, linebacking core led by Quay Walker going into the 2024 season. So 82% snap share in 2022. He had 121 total tackles on that snap share. I think that we're going to see that increase and then take another big jump into 2024. Um, I really like Quay Walker. There was a time when he was in the tunnel smacking the wall where it was like, oh, Quay, this is worrisome. But I do think... If you can rein that in and you can kind of and they tell him how important he is yes. to that franchise, uh, Quay Walker could be the next uh, top six dynasty linebacker. I think he could get to this top six sort of outlook for dynasty. I think he could be top five. Hell, he could probably even be top three. Yeah. But uh, And I, I know we like to make fun of him acting like a child sure, as a sure. grown man, but I think they will rein that stuff in. This yeah. dude's still young. Uh, Devondre Campbell actually is a, a UFA in 2027. There's not an out in that contract until really? 2025. Wow. I thought it was sooner, but yeah, too. I've, I've got it pulled up right here in Adam's ranks once again. Yes, sir. He has the contract information for a lot of these guys. So Devondre Campbell, I'd much rather take him mm-hmm. at ADP of LB29. Quay Walker, not going to have a lot of Quay Walker shares, even though I do like his outlook. Um, I'm even lower on him by my rankings than what the market is saying. So I think you're going to be disappointed if you're drafting Quay Walker where you have to get him right now. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about some other linebackers not going as high. Troy Anderson is the next guy on our list. 
LB14 by Adams Dynasty Rankings, ADP of LB31. He is 24.2 years old, came into the league a little bit older, uh, 43% of snaps last season, 17 games played, 5 started, 5.8 points per game, 40.2 overall PFF grade, 69 total tackles, 3 TFLs. I've got him as my LB32, so I'm right in line with where the market is, Bobo. But I'll kick you, uh, kick it over to you first to give your thoughts on uh, the potential breakout in Atlanta. Yeah, so Troy Anderson in our best balls is going as the LB30, somewhere in that range. Yeah, um, he's LB31 right now. Um, where is Caden Ellis while I'm while I'm thinking of yeah, it? Just for, here it is. Um, Caden Ellis is going as the LB38 right yeah, now. So, so the market likes Troy Anderson a little bit better than Caden Ellis. And it's the athleticism. You know, he's been there a little bit longer. Caden Ellis coming in from New Orleans. Um, a very odd in-division um, switch as well. Um, that's kind of strange. You don't see them staying at what is that NFC South? Yeah, NFC South. Um, you don't you don't see that very often. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. The only thing about Troy Anderson for me is, are we just in love with the RAS? Are we just in love with the athleticism? Are we undervaluing Caden Ellis and what the potential, um, you know, the the potential sack upside could be for Caden Ellis? You know, because. In that short amount of time last year with Caden Ellis, you saw seven sacks, eight sacks, I believe it was. Um, I don't know that Troy Anderson is ever going to be that guy. Um, I don't dislike Troy Anderson. I just don't know that I'm over the moon for him yet. I kind of want to see it with him first. I know the opportunity is going to be there. Um, Based on where he's being drafted right now, it's probably worth it. Um, he's just somebody that I'm a little bit skeptical of just because I like Kane Ellis so much. Yeah, I think the market has this one nailed, honestly. John Macri wrote him up as a breakout last week for PFF. I agree. A RAS baby. He's ready for the spotlight alongside Kate Ellis. I would love to have Troy Anderson ranked higher, but I do worry about how are him and Kate Ellis going to be split up? Yeah. What kind of roles are they going to play? I think they'll both have probably a pretty equivalent number of snaps with Troy Anderson leading the way in terms of the overall percentage. But there's also an unproven nature to this call. I mean, just 5.8 points per game on 43% of snaps. I expect him to double both of those numbers uh, in terms of points per game and his snap share. Uh, and where he's going in drafts, I will say he is the ideal LB target if you go D-line early, which is what we encourage people to do based on our scoring and based on the best ball kind of format. But if you have, let me ask you this, because I know my answer. Are you comfortable with Troy Anderson as your LB2 for 2023? No, I'd rather him be my LB3. Okay, I'm comfortable with him as my LB2. I, I Depending on the build that mm-hmm. I have for, the, for these best ball drafts, I'd even be comfortable with him as my LB1. Because what that represents is you have a sick defensive line. Yeah. Because you have probably gone, let's see where his actual like ADP is. So he is the 81st pick. So that's going to be near the back of the seventh round. Yeah. So you could potentially go six defensive linemen mm. with your first six picks. Mm. So your, D, your DL is going to Nasty. be filthy. Yeah. So I think it's a give and take of like, yeah, I don't feel great if he's my LB1. But um, the opportunity cost, I would much rather be snagging some DL than loading up on linebacker and trying to get DL later. And he's going to play. I mean, Michael Walker, if you look at Walker's snaps towards the end of last year, they dropped dramatically, almost to nothing. Um, so it's going to be Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis. Yeah. I just, 
I don't know, Trey Anderson, just a guy where his athleticism is awesome. I just kind of want to see it first. Yeah. And Adam talked about it on the last episode as well, that most people who have Troy Anderson right now kind of know they have Troy Anderson. Yes. It's not like, ah, who's he? I don't think you're hoodwinking somebody. No, no, not at all. You get you get somebody come into an orphan team, then maybe it's like, hey, you know anything about this Troy Anderson? But he's going to be probably more expensive to acquire than he's really worth right now, I would think. Um, you're probably gonna have to give a, at least a third. I would yeah, say. Yeah, I'd Anderson. say a third. Yeah. Let's. But it's, what's funny is a lot of these second year linebackers they're in good situations, but yeah. we are projecting a little bit. Uh huh. Because the next guy up here on the list is I mentioned him earlier. He is purely projection at this point. It is Nicobe Dean. He is Adams LB fifteen right now for Dynasty, going as LB twenty three by mm-hmm. ADP twenty two point five years old. It's amazing how many of these guys are twenty two point five. Only played. 34 snaps in 2022, 17 games played, but zero games started, 13 total tackles, one TFL. I've got him as my LB 19. Now, a younger, more foolhardy Josh would rank Dean inside the top 12 because the lane has totally cleared for N'Kobe Dean. TJ Edwards, Kaiser White are gone. It's just Nicholas Morrow joining him. Here's what I think could play out, Bobo. Tell me what you think of this scenario. Is it possible that Dean starts out the season slow? We all panic because he's not playing over Nicholas Morrow. And then by season's end, he's the clear LB1. Yep. Can't you just see that plan? Can't you see us having a week three conversation mm-hmm. on the recap pod? What saying, are we doing with Dean? Oh, is it time to sell Nicobe Dean? Yeah. You know, because yeah. Morrow is, you know, 95% of snaps and Dean's down around 75, 80%. Yep. Couldn't agree more. That, I could totally see that happening. That's why I have Dean as a back-end LB2. Again, LB19 for me. It reflects my belief that this guy has LB1, like at top 12 potential in his range of outcomes, but the downside is also there and mm-hmm. that this is purely projection. Two things. Um, I really trust the Eagles' defense. Um, they really know what they're doing. They have a great defensive line going into this. I mean, good gosh, Josh Sweat. Um, Hassan Reddick, all the D tackles, Milton Williams, Jalen Carter, the other good one, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox. Um, now they've got Nolan Smith that could be coming off the edge at times. So it's like, are are they arguably maybe the best defensive line in football? Quite possibly. Um, were the linebackers really that good that played for the Eagles last year? TJ Edwards is fine. I think they were both solid. You know, White was okay. You know, they're not like, they're not elite linebackers in my opinion but I think it the Eagles you know that 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 position there that the linebacker one the linebacker two even sometimes for the Eagles is just such a great opportunity for IDP production you don't really have to necessarily be the best tackler you don't have to be the best in run defense but that defensive line is going to be so good that it's going to make you an average linebacker look that much better you're exactly right in the other uh in the other point Josh to where we need to think about this. Every time we sit on here on the podcast and we talk about Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis, Michael Walker could play linebacker. We talk about Nicobe Dean being the, let's talk about him as a top 10 dynasty linebacker. There's a chance that Nick Morrow gets more playing time than him. I just want people to understand that it's really cool to talk about this stuff in June and July and August. And then we're going to get hit by so many curveballs in September to where we're like, what are we doing with these guys that aren't playing? This is not how we drew it up. Exactly. And so it's like we try to be ahead of the curve here because 
the, the end of year finishes never look like the previous year's finishes. So mm-hmm. I think if you're just expecting the same thing to keep happening, you're going to be probably at least 50% wrong. Mm-hmm. So our objective here as a show is to make educated predictions mm-hmm. while also shooting for upside, right? It's like we can go scoop a Nick Morrow off waivers after week one if he is the 95% snap linebacker in Philadelphia. Yeah. But what if Nicobe Dean is the 100% snap guy? Mm-hmm. The upside is so much higher than what we've seen out of Nick Morrow, which is like the the perfect kind of off the waiver wire fill in yep. by week kind of guy. Yep. He's just he's a jag. He's just a guy. Yep. And you need those guys. Yep. And that's why it's important to be aware of the depth charts and maybe hedge your bets a little bit. Don't be afraid to stash a little Nick Morrow if you've got N'Kobe Dean as well, right? Stinky but startable, man. That's right. There's going to be a lot of them. Adam talked about it last podcast. There's a ton of guys that you can go and farm. You can go farm a linebacking crew at any point during the season. It might be gross, and you might not have the sexiest-looking lineup, but um, there's all a that, lot of dudes who will get All pr- production that spins are those points. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have Bobby O or N'Kobe Dean in Dynasty? Uh, probably, man, that's a great question. I would say probably... Oh, Nakobe. It's very close. So it's very close. Just because if you if if Nakobe Dean is a hit, the runway is just so much longer than oh, yeah. I think what you're gonna get with Okarake. Even though I'm very, very bullish on Okarake as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I wanna chase that upside, even if it is again purely projection. We've seen it with Bobby O. He got paid. He we know he has the opportunity. Yeah. We think Nicobe has the opportunity in Philadelphia, but we're gonna see. Yeah. Um speaking of opportunity, will this next guy be able to hold on to his Devin Lloyd, Jacksonville Jaguars? He is Adams LB twenty three, ADP of LB thirty. He is old as hell, 24.7 years old. Him and Troy Anderson both came into the Mm -hmm. league a little later. Uh, Devin Lloyd played 926 snaps, 80% snap share, 17 games played, 15 started, 10.8 points per game, 115 total tackles, three INTs, two fumble recoveries, eight pass breakups, two QB hits, 48.1 Overall defensive grade. I've got him as my LB33. Bob, I'm going to start with you. Well, outlook for Devin Lloyd. Before you talked about what you were going to bring up, I just kind of wanted to ask you, like, what are we upset about with Lloyd? What we are upset about is that he started off the season hot. Yeah. And I'll actually pull up the log. Again, Adam's Dynasty ranks have the logs in here, people. So let's look at what that start of the season was for Devin Lloyd. So he went 12.25. 25 25.3, 26.75, 12.5, 11.25. And then it was a lot of single digits after that. Yeah, so fall off. that first five weeks, though, my man was going gangbusters uh, with about 88 points across five weeks. But if you look at it from a more macro, you kind of pull it, pull it back a little bit and look at, look at Devin Lloyd's total season, 115 total tackles. The guy had 115 total tackles in his rookie year. Three interceptions, two fumble recoveries, eight pass breakups. I'm not as disappointed as a lot of people might be on Devin Lloyd because of, 
I, sure, I get the regression that he had late in 2022. And getting benched. I think that's the sure. other thing where people are like, what the hell was that? It also could be a motivational type of thing. Could be. You know, they had another guy in Chad Muma right behind him that Josh will talk about. Um, it could have been one of those things where it's like, look, Devin, just because you have the high draft capital doesn't mean you're just going to start. You're, we have to win If games. your head's spinning out there, we're going to set you down and let you kind of clear your head a little bit. Exactly. I uh, I think Devin Lloyd is a great buy going into this uh, season. I know Foyer produces a ton of tackles there for Jacksonville, but like I talked to a friend the other day about, two linebackers can exist in a lot of schemes. Go, oh, yeah. Go back to the year that uh, Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, I think it was 2021, both had like almost 200 tackles. They were like both top three. I'm not saying the Jags are going to be that, but I'm just saying don't necessarily always be worried that that LB2 can't produce high tackles for you. The Jags clearly love linebacker. Oh, yeah. They go give Foyer the bag, then draft Muma and Devin Lloyd uh, with significant draft capital invested in Devin Lloyd. I will say I'm right in line with the market on this one. I've got Lloyd as my LB33. He's going as LB30. I like Lloyd better for Dynasty than I do for Redraft because we know King Foyer is there. So is Chad Muma. I do think that Lloyd ends up with the bigger workload than Muma, but this whole thing, it makes me nervous. Even at his current price, I'm not going to end up with a lot of Devin Lloyd shares because I'll be taking Devontae Campbell, Troy Anderson, and Brian Asamoah, guys that I think have a clearer path to consistent snaps in 2023, which is crazy to say because we've seen uh, Devin Lloyd get more snaps than Asamoah and Troy Anderson. But with Foyer there, with the Chad Muma question lingering, I completely understand the optimistic upside case, but it just makes me nervous. I uh, love you, Macri. You need to go back and do the uh, – a couple years ago, Macri would pull a player that, you know, kind of the community wanted him to do a little deeper dive on. I think we need to do that on Devin Lloyd. You know, you go back and look at the PFF numbers exactly like you're saying, Josh. Week one, an 81 tackle grade. Week two, an 87 defensive grade. Week three, an 85 defensive grade. Week five, a 90 pass rush grade. But then late towards the season, week 10, a 26 tackle grade. Uh, week 12, a 44 coverage grade. I mean, there was a lot kind of trending towards the upside in the beginning of the season, and then down towards the bottom, you're looking at a lot of orange and a lot of red. And then production-wise, 13.18 points per game the first nine weeks. The last nine, 7.95. So he dropped off 5.2 points per game at the back half of the season. The tackling grade kind of stayed high. The pass rush grade kind of stayed high. Run defense and coverage were both pretty bad. So maybe they were targeting him a little bit more in coverage. Maybe his run defense, exactly like you're saying, maybe he's in the wrong spots. His head was spinning a bit at times. Um, I just don't think that we've seen the best from Devin Lloyd yet. I think no. the best is yet to come. Yeah, 32.4 coverage grade tells me that maybe the the game was moving a little too fast for him. So if you want to be bullish on Devin Lloyd, I totally get it. This is not a player where I'm like, I just don't see the appeal. Um, it's just not a player I'm going to have a lot of because I'd rather be fishing in other buckets in that area of the draft if I'm looking at linebackers. So let me give you this number, Josh. Yes. So some numbers for Foyer in 2022: overall PFF grade of 69, run defense of 65, pass rush of 78, and coverage of 67. Um, Foyer was good, man. Foyer was really good, and he's going to continue to be good. Uh, homeboy is only 27 years old. I keep thinking that Foyer is like approaching 30. I know, I do too. I thought, oh, he must be 29 or 30 at this point. No, I, that's fantastic. Foyer still slept on for Dynasty, but you're exactly right. Maybe, maybe defensive uh, or offensive minds were just like, look, let's uh, let's kind of oscillate 
Devin Lloyd. Let's get him out here in space and and let's see what his coverage grade really is. Um, yeah, let's go after the rookie linebacker absolutely. and see what he could do. And that was profitable for teams, I'm sure, because they knew yep. they knew this guy wasn't. All 32 teams pay for PFF grades. They knew this dude wasn't cooking. I tried to trade for Devin Lloyd from Macri a week or two ago, and he was holding pretty tight. So that should say a lot. Yeah. Well, would you be willing to give up for Lloyd? You give a third? Oh, in a heartbeat. Give I give a, you a second. Give for you Devin a second. Lloyd. Yep. Okay. Yep. I think there's that much upside that that second for Devin Lloyd would actually pay off for you in 2023. There you go. Yep. All right. Next on the list here. Macri, that's for you. It's being your mail later. Get you that trade offer sent out uh, <laughs> by the end of business here. Yeah. So let's talk about the next guy on our list, Brian Asamoa. He is Adams LB24 for Dynasty. So he was kicking off that episode we just did. ADP LB33. He is 23.2 years old. He played 119 snaps across 16 games. Uh, again, not a lot of playing time, just a little bit more than a Kobe Dean, but not by much. Mm-hmm. Uh, graded very well in that small sample by PFF, 78.8 overall. He is my LB17. So I've got him ranked a little bit higher than where I've got Nicobe Dean. I talked about this with Trip. We are both Team Asamoa over Jordan Hicks. Are you on board with us? Are you going Hicks? <laughs> Man, I want to go Asamoa with you, but I feel like the whole Hicks narrative could be something we're completely missing. So let me let me make the case here. Please do. So I could see something similar to Nakobe Dean, where Asamoah isn't the guy week one, but by the end of the season, he very clearly is the guy. Mm-hmm. If I were picking between the two, I think Asamoah has a better chance to be the guy. We think we can he can be right away, which is why I have him ranked a little bit higher than Nakobe Dean, who was my LB19. I know there's concern over there about how profitable the role is in uh, Brian Flores' defense and whether Hicks will be the dude, but I'm trusting what the team told me when it let Eric Kendricks go. You don't do that for a journeyman. Yeah. You do it for a rising star that you believe in, which is Brian Osamoa in my eyes. I love that. So I don't think you clear the decks to get Brian, uh, Jordan Hicks more playing time. I think you do it because you know what you've got in Brian Osamoa. Now, I'm not saying in a trade, but in... Uh, IDP production for 2023, who produces more, Brian Asamoah or Jack Campbell? Uh, I would say, man, I would say Brian Asamoah. I think you're probably right. That's I think, a good one, though. I think the Jack Campbell narrative, we may be just a little a little too quick on. I expect him to start week one, just like I expect Asamoah to start week one, but I am more confident in Asamoah being a second-year player versus a rookie. I think it's just and good Ca- practice to temper expectations. Campbell may be seeing like 60% snaps on the season. Maybe somewhere in that realm. Uh, Brian Asamoah, yes, is a guy that, exactly like you're saying, could be the rising star there for Minnesota. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Hicks was just a continued slept-on IDP oh. productive piece for us in 2023. He is a great he oh. is a great pick in his own right because he just is going as... Buried in best ball. He's actually higher than what you think. I thought Let he me, was down in like the, the 50s. Oh, guys, he's higher than that? He is LB35. Oh, my God! He is a big-time riser. So yeah, he is up no thank you. 14 spots by ADP. I thought, oh, man, he's a great pick. Nah. But you basically have to call your shot because it goes Brian Asamoa, Demario Davis, and then Jordan Hicks right there in a row, back-to-back-to-back in the ADP. So if you're if you're telling me i got to pay LB35 prices now for Jordan Hicks, no, give me you. Brian Asamoa at LB33. Gosh, I also don't want uh, DeMario Davis at all at that value either. Yeah, LB34. But, yeah, Brian Asamoa is a guy that uh, we've talked about a bunch here in the last couple weeks, and uh, you're only probably on to him if you listen to this show, so good on you. I don't know. That's about all I got to say. <laughs> I, I like it. Go him. back and listen to the episode uh, that we just did a couple weeks ago if you want more Brian Asamoa takes. And you and Tripp are exactly right. Because Brian Asamoah is the perfect 
archetype to talk about yep. the potential ups and the potential downs of maybe rostering him in 2023. Well, and just Trip pointed out, he's a perfect fit for Brian Flores's defense. That's what he wants. We know from the episode with uh, Tyler and Drew, as, as Tyler famously said, Brian Asamoa can boogie. You feel and so? I think he's going to be able to do that in the middle of this Minnesota defense. You feel comfortable if he's your LB three? You're probably a little worried if he's your LB two. Yeah, I mean, I've got him as our LB, my LB three right now yeah. in our main league. That's and fine. Feel great about it. Yeah. So let's move to DB now. We've got a few names to talk about kicking things off with Jalen Petre. He is Adams' dynasty safety two, which was kind of surprising. He's actually got Kyle Hamilton, the next guy on our list, one spot lower by ADP. Petre is the safety two behind Derwin James. 24.1 years old. He played 93% of snaps across 17 games played. My man went bonkers in his rookie season. 14.7 points per game. uh, 54.7 overall grade. Very poor tackler, despite the fact that he racked up 147 total tackles. My man had a 32 tackle grade. So he could have maybe had 200 tackles if he could just clean up the technique a little bit. I've got him as my safety two. Baba, we don't need to rehash the whole taking DB's early argument. I think most experienced IDP managers, they're going to they they're not going to have a whole lot of Jalen Petre on their teams when they're doing a startup draft or playing best ball because of the names being taken after him. Just as an example, Dre Greenlaw and Matt Milano go after Jalen Petre in drafts. So when we Gosh. talk about the opportunity cost of taking these DBs, that's what you're missing out on. I uh, probably need to move Petrie down just a little bit because the linebackers are better in Houston in 2023. So he's probably not going to rack up almost 150 tackles from the safety position. But mm-hmm. I think if you have a context in which you're not giving up on other players, say through a trade or, you know, if you got him in your rookie drafts, right, you don't have to take this guy alongside some really good linebackers. Uh, just in a vacuum, Petre as a top five safety for 2023, that feels about right. Are you worried that Telenoa Hufunga in D'Amico Ryan's defense had 97 tackles in 2022? Are you correlating that at all to what Jalen Petre could produce in 2023? Do you think they maybe just have a little bit different, a different idea for him going into this could season? Could be, but... The linebackers in front of Hufanga were Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Very true. Whereas the linebackers are better in Houston. I think it's going to be Perryman and probably Christian Harris or Christian Kirksey. Yeah. Um, but I would not peg him at 100 and what was it? 141 tackles, 147 yeah. tackles. I put him somewhere down in that like 125, 100, 100 to 125 tackles, assuming health. I don't think he's going to be up at this point uh, where he was just because there's going to be more competition. But, yeah, the D'Amico Ryans factor is a kind of wild card in all of this. Yeah, I mean, you try not to read into too much of that stuff at this point of the season. But, you know, a lot of these defensive schemes, just like Tom and uh, John talked about on Big Nickel. Uh, wow, I almost said it. On, you almost did. On big, you almost did. On Big Nickel uh, this last, uh, I think it was this last week. Um, you know, defensive schemes can change and defensive coordinators change and and – uh, ideas and thought processes move around. It is interesting that D'Amico Ryans has never really had that good of a safety uh, from a dynasty perspective as far as IDP is concerned. I think Jalen Petre, his missed tackles are a little bit, not necessarily worrisome. It's just because he had so many dang tackles. Um, you know, he just had so many opportunities last year. 
The problem with Petre is that he's being overdrafted because of how bad Houston was last year. I mean, Petre played a ton. He had a ton of opportunities to tackle. I mean, safety won last year. This guy is only going to regress. Oh, yeah. There's only one way to go, folks, and it's down. And aside from Derwin James, I mean, who's the other IDP DB that has replicated a top five finished outside of Derwin? You know, Jeremy Chin regressed. Jordan Poyer's kind of been up there, but he's been a little bit faulty. Um, you know, we Minka's been pretty good at times. I mean, but there's just such fluidity with flow. that, yep. you know, position that it's just not anything in best ball and dynasty and whatever. I mean, you can look at my RSO team right now. I think I have two safeties, and I'm not worried at all right now about them because – if you're wanting to know who to add in week one, week two, week three, week four waivers, which we're going to dominate this year if you're following the IDP show, um, those are the important weeks to where a Jalen Thompson is going to pop in week four, and he's going to be my MVP for the 2021 season, I think it was. There's going to be guys like that that, that come come out of the forest and they're uh, big producers for us. We're going to find the next Jalen Petre off 100%. waivers. So, he's a um, sell. Is he a sell for you or a hold or what? He's a sell, yeah. I think, just because I think you can get a lot for him right now. How yeah. many? What percentage of his snaps do you think he played in the sweet spot last season? Oh, I don't know. Let's say 30. So it was. I was thinking, God, with this many tackles, this dude must have been like north of 65%. He was only 42%. Wow. Sweet spot. Wow. So that's very low. That's like Adam actually has it sorted right now by sweet spot, and that was 50th mm. for DBs. Mm. So um, that would be the, that's going to be my big question is where does D'Amico Ryans use this guy on the field mm-hmm. uh, because he's not necessarily like the biggest box banger. No. He was just all over the field. The dude's a playmaker. I do. Greg Rosenthal did shout out Jalen Petre on a recent episode mm. of the Around the NFL podcast. So that always makes my ears perk up when Normie Pods talk about our beloved IDP babies. Yep. So let's move, though, to the next safety. Another guy we talked about uh, last week on the after show with Trip. It is Kyle Hamilton. He is Adam Safety 3 for Dynasty, going as the Safety 7 right now by ADP. He's 22.3 years old, played 53% of snaps, 16 games played, 4 started, 7.8 points per game, 87.6 PFF grade. Um, gorgeous, like oh, yeah. blue grades across the board by PFF. Fun stat that I brought up on that show, Bobo, in case you all didn't hear it, is that despite playing... I mean, almost half of the number of snaps that Chuck Clark got. Um, Kyle Hamilton finished with three fewer points by big three scoring of course. in 2022. Of course. Because he's a maniac. He's going to outscore Chuck Clark this year, too. Oh, man. It's too soon, Bobo. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Chuck. He, he is my safety five right now, so I am a little bit ahead of the market. But go back and listen to the after show episode with Trip if you want my full bullish take on Hamilton. I'm not going to rehash it here. Uh-huh. I thought I was too high on him. And then Tripp told me he had him as safety three. Wow. King Derwin, you better watch out because there is a challenger coming for your safety one throne. I would not fault anyone who puts Hamilton as the safety one for 2023. I think this dude is going to ball out and be the player that we thought he was going to be in 2022. I think we were just a year too early. Man, here I am just telling you about Jalen Petre and how we fade DBs. And the next two guys that we're going to talk about are guys that I normally don't uh, offer a, a whole lot for a DB, but, man, Kyle Hamilton gets the juices flowing. 22.3 years old, 
Um, 82.3 PFF grade in 2022, 9.34 RAS, ran a 4.59. The thing with uh, Kyle Hamilton for me is just we haven't really quite seen it all yet. You know, I mean, four games started, the window is quickly closing for Kyle Hamilton. But, I mean, this is maybe some of the bluest PFF numbers that we've seen in a long time. I don't know what else there is to say about Kyle Hamilton. Opportunity is going to be there. The talent is going to be there. Um, there's been, you know, historically a lot of production from that Baltimore safety position in IDP. I love Kyle Hamilton. If you want to draft him high in some of these best ball drafts, it's a little bit risky just because of the position, but I'm not going to hate it. It does look cool to look at your DBs and see Kyle Hamilton on there. Yeah, let's play the ADP game because this is kind of fun because I think unlike a lot of these safeties, Kyle Hamilton is one guy that I don't mind overpaying for compared to where he's being drafted. So he's really close actually to a couple players we just mentioned. He is currently going right behind Caden Ellis, who's the LB38. So you get the safety seven versus the LB38. Jordan Brooks is actually right behind that at LB39. Divine Diablo, Jamin Davis, Buda Baker. So, looking at some of the guys around him, are you sticking with those linebackers, or will you take a swing on a Kyle Hamilton? I have a very definitive answer. Okay. Do you? I would take a swing on Kyle Hamilton at that 100%. point. 100%. Yep. 100%. Jordan Brooks, no thank you. Kay Nellis, I get the upside, but the ADP is still too high. Um, I think Baker. At the, I think at that point I will have my linebackers filled out to exactly. the point that I'm going to do my typical strategy of – let me take one safety in the first like eight to nine rounds to kind of solidify that room. What round is that kind of that you're talking about? So he is going as the 96th pick. So that is a end of the eighth round. That's So if you want to do the eighth round safety grab like I do, that is a common target for me. That's been beautiful. Ever since you said that, I've been kind of doing that in these best balls. And, you know, you can come out of – you know, the first four rounds, and you've got probably three pretty solid defensive linemen, maybe one linebacker. You fill out a couple more D linemen and linebackers until you get to round eight, round nine, round ten, then jump in there and throw on a Kyle Hamilton. It makes you feel that much better for kind of fading DB at that point because then it's like, all right, I'm going to roll out Kyle Hamilton. I'm going to roll out Legereus Need is still really too high. Yeah, he's right next to Kyle Hamilton. Um, I'm trying to think of who else you could grab late. Let's say uh, well, Kyler could, Gordon. Yeah. A, um, You're dipping into that like cornerback territory yeah. at that point, but there's still a lot of guys cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Uh, there, there's a ton mm-hmm. of these late guys yep. that we could talk about. But, yeah, it is cool to see Kyle Hamilton on your team. I, I, if you want to go ahead and let's talk about this. King Derwin, you just brought it up. Would you trade Derwin for Kyle Hamilton at this point? Um, Let's look at this. Trading Derwin for Mm K-Ham. So Derwin right now is the safety one in Adam's ranks. He is 26.9 years old. If if I have Derwin and I'm looking to get Hamilton, I want Hamilton plus for Derwin. 24.6 points per game in 2021, 15 points per game in 2022. Derwin's been healthy. He's been paid. Obviously, you want what now? What did you just say? I want Hamilton plus for Derwin if I'm oh, holding 100%. Derwin. Oh, 100%. But yep. what what plus would you do? So you have you have Derwin, and you're like, look, this might be a nice little mm-hmm. window to go, you know, get a little younger at the position, maybe get this next guy that I like, plus some help. What would the plus be? It doesn't necessarily have to be a pick. It could be a – Positional upgrade. Yeah, I mean, if I could get a 
you know, maybe one of these kind of, um, you know, could sort you, of sexy pass rushers. Like, could you get a Trayvon Walker great. or a Carl that's, Loftus? That's exactly where I went. I went yeah. straight to Trayvon. I think there's a possibility that you could maybe do that. Yep. What pick-wise would it take for you? Would it take a second? I think it would – I would want a second. Uh, K-Ham in a second. I don't know that I would let K-Ham go – or I would let Derwin go for K-Ham in a third. Mm. I think it's got to be at least a second. Interesting. But if I could get Carl Loftus or Trayvon Walker – you know, or maybe one of these linebackers thrown in with Kham. Yeah. That gets the deal done for sure. Hundred percent. I love that. I'm not so, saying it's time to sell Derwin, but I do just think the next crop could be here. Yeah, and if you got what was what did you say Derwin's age was? Twenty six. Twenty six point nine. So he's change. still younger yeah. than I thought. Kyle Hamilton, twenty two point three. The next guy that we're going to talk about is twenty four point two. That's right. Let's talk about it. Who's the next guy, Bobo? The next guy we're going to talk about. Maybe my favorite DB. I, w- I wanted right to now. give you the solo cam. For I this get a one. little hot and sweaty talking about Jaquan Brisker. Rank in Adams Dynasty ranks of safety four and ADP of safety four. Spot on. Well, well yep. done, guys. Bang on. Twenty four point two years old. His twenty twenty two snaps. He played nine hundred and fifty five snaps, which was a hundred percent snap share for, for defensive for the, backs for the games that he played. Correct. Fifteen games. Fifteen played. games played. Fifteen games yep. started. Twelve point one points per game. One hundred and four total tackles. Two pass breakups, five tackles for loss. So here's my um, here's my motivator for Jaquan Brisker. Great PFF numbers, 70 pass rush grade, 67 overall defensive grade. The thing with Brisker is he is so fun to watch. Yep. Oh my gosh. And we we just I just told you 104 tackles, two pass breakups, five TFLs. Kind of disappointing. There's not a ton of like big plays. Trust me, they're coming for Jaquan Brisker. Jaquan Brisker is going to add. Force fumbles. He's going to add sacks. He's going to add interceptions this next year. I really think that Jaquan Brisker is kind of that um, hard-hitting, smart, great-tackling defensive back that a defensive coordinator is just going to love in the middle of that in the middle of that really, really bad Chicago Bears defense. Honestly, I think they're going to be bad this year. I think Jaquan Brisker is going to be the bright spot for them. Okay, so this is an interesting conversation that Tripp and I were having because we are both way more bullish on TJ Edwards than his football guys compatriots because they're much higher on the safeties okay. in Chicago. Um, I would actually – I've got him ranked as safety three right now. Okay. But I think as I do these – revisions to my rankings for June. I'm going to move him down just because I think the linebacker play in front of him is going to be vastly improved from 2022 to 2023. I mean, he's going to have TJ Edwards, Tremaine yeah. Edmonds coming over. Jack Sanborn is still there. I think if he cracks a hundred total tackles, I'll be surprised. I mean, he had 104 total tackles last year. Yeah. Do you think he clears a hundred with those two guys gobbling up tackles in front of him? Probably not, but that's why I see the big plays coming this year. You've probably got an upgraded linebacking core. Absolutely, because Roquan was traded midseason, and you finished the year with a guy named Jack Sanborn as your LB1. Yep. An undrafted free agent in Jack Sanborn. Brisker had to make the tackles. I think that that defensive line is still going to be really bad, but the linebacking core there in front of him, they're going to give them the ability to move Brisker around more in the defensive scheme to rush the passer, to potentially you know underpick balls. I just think that Jaquan Brisker, the way he plays, I love watching him on TV, and maybe that's a little bit of it. Maybe I need to take my bias 
you know, glasses off. I just really, really like watching Jaquan Brisker. I actually tried to acquire him in XFL this week, sent a nice second for him, got quickly denied. Wow, that's interesting because I put here in my notes, if you can cash out on Brisker, do it. Wow. Uh, and just sell them to Bobby. Sure. Uh, don't forget, points per game, it actually dropped from weeks 1 through 9 to weeks 10 to 18. He dropped from 12.3 to 11.7, so not the biggest drop yeah. in the world, but it is worth noting. Mm-hmm. He finished a safety one by big safety 21 by big 3 scoring, so going from 21 up to 3 where he is being drafted right now. Mm-hmm. Double check myself on that. No, safety 4. Even going from 21 to 4. That's a massive jump. Uh, especially with improved linebacker play in front of them, it's the same defensive coordinator. So, I'm I'm not as I'm not as bullish. I like Brisker for dynasty, but 2023 wise, I think people are going to be disappointed taking him at safety four. So you like Hamilton clearly more than Jaquan Brisker. Yes, I got gotcha. you. Even with yeah, because you can make a similar case with Roquan Smith and uh, Patrick Queen there in front of him, mm-hmm. but I just think Hamilton's a better player. Yeah. Um- very possible. But that'll be a good one to track, Brisker yeah. versus Hamilton, because you're right, very similar circumstances. Yep. So uh, I did want to look up and see uh, what Brisker's ADP, uh, well, what his sweet spot usage was. Yeah, please do that, because um, he was high, 65.1. Wow. But here is another uh, tick in K- uh, Kyle Hamilton's favor, 81.2 sweet spot for KM. And only 53% of the sn- uh, snaps in the games that he played Man, maybe we're too low on Cal Hamilton. Maybe that's what we're learning here. I think we may be too low on K Ham and too high on Brisker. Exactly. But that's just my take. Exactly. Let's wrap up with a couple cornerbacks, though, Bobo. Please. Everyone's favorite position. Yes. We're going to kick things off with the sensation that Sigmund Bloom called on our podcast, Marcus Jones, cornerback for the New England Patriots. Uh, his 2022 stats were all over the place 37% snap share. 18 offensive snaps. He played 15 games, started for 15.6 points per game. He had catches. He had punt and kick return yards. He had tackles. He had tackles for loss. He had picks. He had fumble recoveries, defensive touchdowns, pass breakups. He had interception return yards. Marcus Jones was a cheat code. He was like a throwback to the days when players were playing quarterback and linebacker and punter. This dude did it all. He is my CB1. I don't draft Patriots as a rule, but for the general public, I don't mind spending up to get Marcus Jones. He is a difference maker in CB required leagues, especially if they score kick and punt return yards, which you should. Mm -hmm. Will he get the work on offense in 2023? Probably not, but he should see more defensive snaps. CB required leagues, Marcus Jones is my CB1, and I don't know that it's particularly close, Bobo. Absolutely. You know, Marcus Jones is a guy that is really elevated from his punt and his kick returns. That's right. And I think that that is the reason that we probably need to sell him. Um, Former Jackson State and current Patriots uh, cornerback and kick returner, Isaiah Bolden has been taking as many reps as possible as returner during the OTAs. Uh, This is at New England Patriots 6X Uh on Twitter. So um, he averaged 36.9 yards uh, per return in the nation uh, last season. So what I'm trying to get at is I had heard that there was an up-and-comer for the um, competition for punt and kick returns there. And if you eliminate punt and kick return from Marcus Jones' repertoire, yes. I don't want anything to that, do with that. That, that, that is an important caveat. If we see definitive proof 
that Marcus Jones is not going to be returning kicks and punts. He's in not a good enough of a corner no. to stand alone on. He that. drops way down the rankings. This yeah. is very much reflective of the way that we have kind of thought about IDP scoring and how we're ranking these players is yeah. we are ranking them in the context of kick and punt return. And we don't like to dictate scoring that much other than to say you should absolutely be scoring things that can be scored. Yep. That's my general opinion on scoring. When players do things well on a football field, they should get points for it. He, Marcus Jones was great in 2022. I'll give him that. But the odds of him replicating that in 2023 are so minimal. Um, you know, we're just sit- sitting here talking about how rare it is for a safety to be a top 10 one year to the next. The possibility of a cornerback replicating a top five finish from one year to the next is so. We're talking about it primarily being what I mean. What is his scoring here? Probably seventy percent of his scoring is kick and punt returns. Probably, yeah. Um, I've, I'm selling Marcus Jones as quick as I can right now. Well, there you go. Let's talk about the next guy on the list. Here should be a little more stable and consistent because there's not a big chunk of his scoring dependent upon yeah. a wild card like kick and punt return. It is Kyler Gordon, Adams CB four for Dynasty, the CB eleven by ADP. He played 97% of snaps, 14 games played, 14 started, 10.3 points per game, 71 total tackles, two TFLs, three INTs, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery, six pass breakups. He had some INT return yards and fumble return yards in there, 49.8 overall PFF grade, 46.4 in coverage. He is my CB9. Mm. This is absolutely one of my favorite targets when I'm punting DB is Kyler Gordon. Mm -hmm. Getting 10.3 points per game from a cornerback, that is really solid. He had 65% sweet spot alignment in 2022 and finished the year up 1.7 points in his points per game average. He looks to be resuming that nickel corner role from 2022. And unlike Brisker... Who he? I don't think he'll be competing as much with Edwards and Edmonds for tackles mm-hmm. in the range where he's going. I actually don't mind him just taking him outright because the other guys available are more dart throw DL and linebackers at that point. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Kyler Gordon is a guy in a lot of these best balls that's just forgotten. You know, he's a lot of uh, the – you see him go in the draft and you're like, dang it, that was actually a really good Th- – that is the that exact point. reaction I have had every time I've seen Kyler Gordon go off the board. Yep, he's one of those Dang, guys. Well, I forgot about him. You need to throw in your cue, and you need to mentally have a uh, have a have a little notepad that you know whatever round it is that he's being drafted in. You need to kind of start thinking about him because um, once he's drafted, I always kind of have that uh, that remorse that I didn't go get him. But yeah, Kyler Gordon looks like his opportunity looks like the scheme looks like everything that we saw from twenty twenty two is more replicable replicable. Replicable. Replicate. Uh, Replicate. Can be replicated. Table. Replicate table. <laughs> I <laughs> think that's go. a Harry Potter spell. S- something like that. I just put a spell on him. But no, you know, we were just talking about Marcus Jones and how I'm not rolling back 2022 into 2023. I think it's going to be a vastly different year for him. I disagree with that for Kyler Gordon. I think we could see a very similar Kyler Gordon, maybe even a better Kyler Gordon going into 2023. Replicable? Replicable. No, that's not it at all. That's so that far d- off. Doesn't feel right. We're struggling. So there you go, folks. Second year IDPs and our outlook for them for 2023. Bobo, to wrap up, we actually just got a question from Nelson over on the YouTubes, yes. the uh, mock draft episodes. Why don't why don't we answer it live here on the pod? Love to. Shout out Nelson. Thank you for the comment. Will Anderson 
over Jordan Addison in an IDP league that awards six points per sack, 0.5 points per sack yard, two points per tackle, one point per assist, two points per tackle for loss. So you're looking at, not counting yardage, about 11 points for a sack. This is definitely sort of big three scoring, big play. Will Anderson over Jordan Addison? That's a great question. The answer for me is yes. Uh, Yeah, probably. JJ's still there. JJ's still the best receiver in the game. JJ's about to get paid. Absolutely. And reports are good on Addison. I think he's going to be a nice player. But um, are we going to see him be like a Devontae Smith? Are we going to see him be like a really good number two, Jalen Waddell? I don't know because the only reason that I'm a little bit skeptical about Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson a little bit to some extent is Kirk Cousins in 2024. Yep. Could he be the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams? Could he be for the 49ers? Absolutely. I saw that news story coming out. There's a lot of narratives uh, moving Kirk Cousins around, which means then you're probably putting a uh, – I don't know who the quarterback would be. You, Let's, Kevin here. O'Connell is a very good coach. He was the OC there for Sean McVay. Uh, when they won the Super Bowl in 2021, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna be left on a boat with no paddle. He will have a good quarterback. I just don't know that it will be a Kirk Cousins level quarterback. Let's play out the upside case because I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, Adam has mentioned on here before. What if we look up in week seven or eight and we said, oh, oh God, that's Micah Parsons. Yeah. That's the 2023 version of Micah Parsons is Will Anderson. So let's take that upside case yeah. and let's take the upside case of Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. Do you want Micah Parsons or Jalen Waddle right now? You always lead uh, toward, you always kind of tend to want offense over defense, correct? In certain cases. I'm saying Josh, not in general public. I think in this case, though, it's like can I, if I can have the number one overall IDP asset, which is in Will Anderson's range of outcomes. Or I did, think it is in his range of outcomes. He could at some point be the IDP dynasty asset number one. Does Jordan Addison ever get there? I don't think so. Jalen Waddle might be the wide receiver one this year. Tyreek's in some mess. I don't know what's going on with all that. But, yeah, you're right. But that the idea of that Addison being the team's number two, that Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, I think if There's, you if you want to take the Addison side, I don't blame you, but I'd rather take the guy that could be the number one overall asset on his side of the ball. Man, because what I'm getting at in, in the first question is that it's real similar to XFFL point scoring. I mean Yeah, um, it's big three scoring. It's big play. And most places you're seeing Quentin Johnson and you're seeing Jordan Addison go ahead of Will Anderson. Man, that is really tough. I don't know that I can answer that question. I'm probably going Will Anderson just because of J.J., just because of the way that the next two to three years probably look for the Vikings. Um, But that's a great question. So you're going Addison? No, I'll probably go Will Anderson. Go Will Anderson just because of my love for Justin Jefferson. There you go. All right, well, thank you again to Nelson for the question, and thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you all. Tuning in, uh, we have the breakout episode coming with Jay Sabby and John Macri next week. We've got a it's a it's a Jay Sabby double feature sure. here in the next seven days because we also have Jace on the divisional preview episode with Sticky Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are going to be doing one of our divisional preview episodes for the after show. So make sure you're subscribed over there, theidpshow.com. And then he'll be on next week with John Macri talking breakouts. Uh, This was fun, Bobo. We've got a little bit of a break here for us. 
Uh, Jake and Evan are going to be tagging in to do top 24 DBs. And then we will be coming back at you all with the top 24 dynasty edge rushers. I can't wait to hear Evan talk about Jaquan Brisker. That's ha- right. Be good to get those boys' takes on some of our favorite dynasty I th- uh, safeties. I think uh, I think old Evan loves Jaquan Brisker, and I think old Jakey likes uh, Kyle Hamilton. So I think y'all should get together and fight. <laughs> Sorry, Adam's not fight. here. We at least should yell somebody once. had Somebody had to yell at least <laughs> once, and I appreciate you picking up the slack. Yes, but, sir. Yeah, Addie's down at the beach enjoying, yeah. uh, enjoying some well, uh, well-deserved well-earned R&R, so uh, enjoy the golf courses, enjoy the beach, Addy, and we'll see you here in a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, look forward to some John Macri episodes, some Jace Abbey episodes, some Evan and Jake. We're going to have you all covered the rest of the offseason and uh, draft kit updates coming out. Jump in IDP madness with us, y'all. Uh, this is a fun time of year. It may seem like the slow time of the year, and no, on the sports sir. calendar it is, but for the IDP show, the wheel is going to keep on turning. We're going to keep you all up to date with what's going on. So until next time, Bobo. Sir. We'll see y'all later. Later.